everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Living, a practical guide for living the open-handed life every day. And welcome to the gift of disruption. And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, this is a crazy time. And I know you've probably heard that a hundred times over the past few weeks, but it is a crazy time. And I know I have been emotionally up and down and all around. You know, one day I'm totally content and faithful and trusting God. My hands are open, whatever you have for me, you know, it's I, I trust you. And then the next day, a huge wave of doubt and despair and fear comes over me. Um, and then I've also got the little committee going on in my brain. This side's like, I wish I was handling this time better. And this side's like, you're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> so those are just the voices inside my head. And then I have these other days where it's like, you know, I've got my list of all these things I'm going to do because I have all this extra time. Yeah, right. Like it's really not really worked out that way. But, you know, all these things I'm going to do, and then the next day, I could just barely make myself get out of bed. So, you know, one day I'm going to change the world, the next day I can't even change my clothes. So, I know I've just described how many of you feel, and I have to say, it has helped me to know other people feel this way. And so, I just thought, I want to, you know, be able to, I feel like God has put it on my heart just to talk about these things and talk about how you get through these times of disruption. You know, because the severity of this time is different for everybody. You know, we know we've got people who have lost uh, loved ones who are very close to them. We have people with um, loved ones who are in the hospital, they can't get to them. We have other people who've lost their jobs. Some people haven't lost their jobs yet, but they know that it's likely coming. You know, we have people dealing with their fear of their loved ones working in the health industry, but you know, that some people can't even see their spouse or their kids because they've been infected. You know, there's a lot of different levels of severity. And some of us have been, you know, um, it's very severe right now and some of us maybe not. But the one thing that we all have in common is no matter who you are, your life has definitely been disrupted. In some way, we are all experiencing a time of disruption. And it made me just think, okay, let me go back to the Bible and think about how God has, has caused disruption throughout the years, throughout the centuries, um, and how God's people have come to it. And of course, the first thing that comes to mind, as I'm sure it does to you, that the first disruption in the church really was after the stoning of Stephen, where it says that a great persecution, you know, as, uh, was started against the church. It broke out against the church. And so they were all scattered. All the disciples had to scatter all over the countryside and all to new areas, except for the apostles. So, you know, you think about that time and how scary it must have been. This was a terrible thing that was happening to them. They weren't able to get jobs. I mean, they were having, think about a wife and her husband is hauled off to prison or her children are taken away from her or um, they're denied food or jobs or whatever. They're, you know, being blamed for things they haven't even ever done. Um, and of course, it just gets, it escalates, it escalates to where they're finally being fed to the lions and blamed for all this stuff. Um, that's a very terrible thing. But there's other times, uh, and I think about this virus as kind of a terrible thing, a bad thing that's happened. But there are other times where God disrupts our plans, even for a good thing. You know, um, a lesser known passage is over in Acts 16, if you want to turn over there, Acts 16, 6. It says, next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead they went through Mysia to the seaport of Traus. 
That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. And here we have a disruption where God, where the, uh, the disciples are actually on their way to do something good. And I, I know that this is very much how a lot of us feel because, you know, at the beginning of the year, we're making all these plans, um, which is normal to do at the beginning of the year, where you're going to planning all this good stuff. You know, we want to have these community groups. We want to have this marriage retreat. We want to have this, you know, festival. We want to have this and that and this thing to reach out. You know, all these plans, all that are all for good. But God disrupted those plans, much like here, because he did not want them preaching in this way. He wanted them preaching in this way at that time time is what it says. If you read on, you know, the churches of Asia did get started, but at that time, the Holy Spirit was directing them elsewhere. And then an even lesser known passage is over in Acts 27. Now, this is a time in uh, Paul's life where he was headed back to Rome. He knew it was like, it was really his final days. He was going back to Rome to, to die, but he was going to first be able to preach to them there. And so this, they were sailing, and the, um, the Roman officials were there um, taking him back. And they were traveling on their way. And in verse, um, let's see, where should we start? Let's look at um, verse 10. Uh, they had been traveling a little bit, a little while. And so, and Paul tells them in verse 10 of 27, it says, Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And I feel like this is a disruption that's just caused because the person in charge or the people in charge have made a decision. And it affects many people. In this case, it was going to be about 250 men, I think, that were on this ship. And these decisions that they made were going to affect us, were going to affect all those men. And this is happening to us right now, you know, is that we are really trying to trust and, and, and deal with a situation where we don't really get to decide how it's going to work out. You know, we have to trust the people that are making the decisions. So let's figure out how this went on. It says, uh, we're, we're not going to read all of this because it's a very long story, but in verse 14 it says, But the weather changed abruptly, because, you know, they decided to go on and not listen to him. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. That means they were just drifting out there in this typhoon. The ship is just being flung everywhere. These sailors are trying to stay alive in this huge wind and storm. Um, if you skip down to 18, it says, The next day, a gale force wind continued to batter the ship. The crew began throwing the cargo overboard. Okay, now there goes the cargo. That's scary. 19. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. And finally, Paul called, to the, crew, called the crew together and said, Men, 
you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. So I ended up being right about that, but God still allowed the disruption. Think about that. You would have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong, the God, oh, I'm sorry, the angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul, you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness was granted safety. God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will, it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the sea of Adria, the sailors sensed that land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that it was water, found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid they would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put down anchors from the front of the ship. I just thought that was funny, so I'm reading it. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair on your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke, um, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. All 276 of us who were on board, after after eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. Um, you know, I just think that this is such an amazing story because, you know, here it is that, you know, Paul warns them this is going to happen and they don't listen and they do their own thing. And he, you know, he goes through this really hard time and it was a disruption. But in the end, what happens? You know, in the end, it is Paul that is encouraging everyone. It's Paul that's giving encouragement to these people that, yeah, they made a wrong decision. They were wrong. But it was Paul they were coming back to because they could see this guy knows God. <laughs> this guy knows what he's talking about. And it put him in the position of being very influential. All eyes were on him. And I think I just want us to remember this point. In every one of these disruptions, in hindsight, we know that God worked it all out for the good. You know, obviously, during the persecution, it was a terrible thing. And in the end, though, the gospel was spread all over. Now, that's not something that you're going to say to a poor crying wife in the moment of, you know, losing her husband. You're not gonna, God's going to use this for the good. You know, it's not, it's not always comforting in the moment. But in hindsight, we do know that God takes that circumstance that even started off with bad and he made it into something good. We know that with the second scenario where God completely changes their plans, uh, their plans weren't accomplished at that time, but this whole area got to know God because of it. And in this situation, we see that when it got crazy, I mean, these people hadn't eaten in two weeks. When it got crazy, who were the people looking at? 
the people were looking at Paul because he had a relationship with God. And I just want to appeal to all of you disciples that I know it is getting crazy. I know that people are hitting the wall. I know in my neighborhood, people are getting tired. <laughs> they are tired of this isolation. They are tired of the quarantine. Um, they've been forced into their homes where they're seeing kind of all of their family problems as we are. They are being, you know, forced out of their comfort zone in every way. They don't have the normal things that they want. They don't have all that. Domestic violence is up, you know, as we've seen, you know, 50%. We see all kinds of trouble. But they don't have an anchor for their soul. They don't have it. And so I know that we are feeling the stress at the moment. I am feeling it just as much as you are, I, I promise you. But we must go to what we know. We must land on what we know. We have an anchor for the soul so that we don't know how long this is going to go on. It's only been six weeks. I know it sounds crazy. It hasn't even been that long. It feels like a long time, but it hasn't been that long. And so we as disciples, we are going to have to, you know, sort of lock arms and help each other to stay strong during this time. You know, I, um, I felt the need to make this video because I feel like we as disciples have got to be reminded. I know I have to be reminded on my crazy days. I just need someone to say, I hear you, I feel you, I have been the same. Remember, trust what you know, do what you know. And, and that's what I want to, this is really, really the first lesson, is we need to um, embrace this time. Let's look at uh, first, I mean, 2 Corinthians 1, 8. 2 Corinthians 1, 8. Oh, here I am. Um, except I'm on the wrong page. Here it is. So it says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. There they are. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. You know, this is so huge. I mean, we are going through this time for a reason. Here he says very clearly, as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves because this is beyond our ability to endure. There are some days where I think, I just can't, I don't know if I could do this. I just don't know if I could do this. No, I can't do it. Only God can do it through me. And thank God for this time where I can learn how to stop relying on myself. I need, I've always needed to stop relying on myself. It's just that times like this make it so obvious, right? You know, we need to stop fighting this time and learn the lessons of the time. We can't spend our time fighting it, wishing it away, you know, with stop running on our own energy, stop running to our idols, you know, they're talking about how much weight people are gaining because of this time, because we are trying to anesthetize ourselves out of this and we can't. We are going to have to embrace this time, not just endure it and not just wait for it to be over, but embrace it and learn the lessons. 
You know, this is a test, yes, that has been screened and approved by God. Nothing happens on this planet without God allowing it to happen. Whether it starts off, some, it's bad, it's good, no matter what, God had to screen this and he has approved this test for everyone. And it's going to test everyone. And that's what we're going to talk about next time is what, you know, what kind of test this is specifically for you. But I think our first step for this week, really, lesson number one is embrace the disruption. Quit trying to think it away, pray it away, anesthetize it away, whatever it is, embrace it. What are the good things that are going to come from this? What are the gifts? Because there are many. We have to open our eyes to what those gifts are going to be, and we will not to be able to see them unless we embrace this. And we will never be able to see what those gifts are if we are not willing to learn the lessons, the personal lessons, not just the societal lessons, but the personal lessons for us. There's both going on. But in this, in this particular series, I want us, as always, to focus on what we're supposed to be learning individually with God during this time. So I hope you can spend some time over the next, I don't know, few days, because I don't know how many, I don't know how many of these videos I'll be able to make. You know, I never know what my schedule is going to be. But until next time, I want you to practice embracing this, saying thank you. I mean, I even go, you know, when things are different, I go, that's right. There's a lesson in there. There's something to learn from this. Whenever God changes something, there's always a lesson to learn in there. And I hope this helps you. Until next time.